Yes, yes. Omega Watts in the house. Now, now, now let me set the table. Now, now, now let me set the table. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you can make it. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you can make it. Table fam, how we feeling? Woo! Man, that was a very, very long, I don't know, six, seven weeks. I miss you guys so much, but I'm so excited to be back. Wow. Hey, if it's your first time here and you're like, wait, why did we, you miss? Was it gone? Uh, we had our last table like being in December, and here we are at the end of January. And man, I just, I miss you guys so much, and I'm so excited to be here. And a shout out to the band just for leading us in musical worship. Shout out to Anna Luisa and uh, Abby. Um, but hey, if it's your first time here, my name is Isaac. Um, I give leadership uh, along with our team to the table around here. And why, why are we called the table um, is because we like to call ourselves a banquet for the broken. And what we mean by that is here we are gathering around the table. And as we gather around the table, um, we know that we don't have to be perfect. Actually, we know that we're actually not perfect. And anyone who claims to be perfect is lying, right? And we don't, like, we don't want to be lying because we want to be honest with who we are. So whatever, whatever you did last week, whatever you did today, whatever you think you were planning on doing later today, um, it doesn't matter. We can just kind of be honest with where we currently are and we can accept each other in, in our brokenness and in our sin and our failures. And ultimately we know that in our brokenness there's only one name that provides healing and his name is Jesus Christ. So that's what we're about here at the table. Um, but if you've been coming for a while or maybe you grew up in church, um, you know that typically in in church, and here's a quote here on the screen that struck me this week. Typically in church, we often spend the majority of our time teaching people on how to live a minority of their lives. Right? So what do we mean by that? We mean, hey, so typically in church, right, we talk about praying, right? Or typically in church, we talk about, I'm reading the Bible. Or typically in church, we talk about like these churchy things. And even like the best, most varsity Christians, if that's, if that's how you live your life, even like the best people in the world, how, oft, how, how many hours every day are you reading your Bible and praying or doing other churchy things? Like the best people, like maybe two hours, three hours, right? That gives you, hold on, 24 minus uh, 3 is what, 21 hours? That gives you 21 hours left of your day. And oftentimes, we don't talk about those 21 hours, right? But what, what, what happens with that, though, is like with that, as we're trying to process like the rest of our 20, 21 hours a day, okay, we're at work. So let's just say 20 hours so I can do some math here. Okay, let's say we're at work 20 hours a week, now minus 8 weeks Sorry, minus um, eight, 20, 20 hours a day, uh, minus eight hours, what, you get what, 12 hours? Okay, so now we're dealing with 20, 12 hours, and you sleep, what, four hours a day, five hours a day, six hours a day? Right, so you have about four hours, of, four hours of wiggle room, so what do you do with the rest of those four hours? Netflix and TikTok, right? And then we're like, oh, cool, like, we're trying, and then we're like, that's kind of how we live our lives, and we go to the gym, maybe you meal prep, you do whatever you need to do, right? You're just trying to live your normal life, and let's say you're a Christian, you, you're, you're trying to like have a faith in Jesus, and then you're asking all of these faith questions, and typically whenever we ask these broad questions about faith, we're trying to get to the core of who we are, who God says we are, we're asking, why am I here? We're asking, what's the purpose of life? We have all of these major life questions, as we're also like, just trying to live our normal day, and like, not binge too much on Netflix, and not binge too much 
much on TikTok, but we're asking all of these major life questions. And if you grew up in church, perhaps that you learned that the purpose of life is this. If you grew up in church, maybe you've heard of the Westminster, Westminster's Catechism. So what's the Westminster's Catechism? It's this. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And you read that and you're like, okay, I think that's true. I think I want to live my life as a Christian to glorify God, enjoy God. That makes sense. But look, can we be honest? We don't know what that means, right? Like what is it? I mean, in some of us, perhaps we do, but whenever we think to live my life for the glory of God, great. So I read my Bible and I pray. And that's three hours every day, if that right? Or, or go be at church. Great. Add another hour if it's a Tuesday or hour and a half. Or if I'm speaking, she's four hours on a Tuesday, right? Like we, um, we spend so much of our time talking about so f- like actually how to live like the practicals of our life, right? So here's what I want to do. And this is what the, kind of the series and what I'm setting up is all about is I want us to talk more. And it's not that we don't here at the table. I think we do a decent job here, but I want us to keep moving forward and talking about all of life, right? Because I want to talk about, hey, I want to talk about school and classes and tests and assignments, right? I want to talk about going to the gym, right? I want to talk about going to coffee shops. There's some pretty amazing coffee shops here in Orlando. Y'all know this, right? I want to talk about shopping. Do y'all like shopping? Okay, for you? And you're like, I used to go out and now I just stay at home on Amazon. Makes it way easier. All right, I want to talk about going to the movies, right? I want to talk about hanging out with friends, Why? Because all of these things is what it means to be a Christian. And whenever we think that it's just like reading our Bible and praying and going to church, we live such a disintegrated life and we're never going to find joy and never find satisfaction in this disintegrated life. But really the thing, and really all of those things are great, but really with the series of what we're going to do in this series is we're going to talk about how most of us spend the majority of our week in work. All right, so that's what the series is all about, because work is where we, spend the, where we consistently spend most of our time, right? And also, why we're also talking about this is because it's the thing, typically, that you want to talk about, right? Whenever we meet with you one-on-one, what's the first thing you want to talk about? How can I get a date, right? And then what's the next thing you want to talk about? Um, it's, hey, what do I do with my life? What's my purpose? I think it's this job or is it this job? I'm trying to figure out my life calling. Can I, I want to be, and if you're like even more uh, churchy, you may say, I want to be in the center of God's will, right? What's God's will for my life? And we're asking all these questions about life direction and vision and how we want to spend most of our time. And perhaps as we're thinking about work, um, you can kind of relate um, with my story. So me, I grew up in Texas, um, in the Houston area is where I grew up. And my senior year, uh, when I I was in high school. Um, I wanted, I was in choir because I'm a choir nerd. Um, I was in choir and the choir, my senior year of high school was going to go to Hawaii and I wanted to go to Hawaii, but I needed to pay to go to Hawaii, right? Because it was an expensive trip. So what do I do? I needed to get a job, right? So uh, um, there in town, there was a YMCA and at this YMCA, I'm like, man, I love the YMCA. I, go, I love going to, to work out, to play basketball. Like I would love to work um, at the YMCA. So um, at the YMCA, I apply and w- the position that I wanted was a front desk receptionist. Why? Because I'm real smiley, y'all. I smile a lot. And I just think I'm a really good receptionist. People walk in, I can tell them hello, greet them, make them make sure that they know where they're going, or I can help them out. So I apply for the front desk receptionist at the YMCA my senior year of high school. So actually, um, they accept my application to work at the YMCA, but they're like, hey, but it's not the front desk receptionist. It's actually with children and after school care. And I'm like, 
ooh, that is very different than working as a front desk receptionist, right? You mean I have to like work with kids like after school? Oh, but I needed a job, y'all. I needed a job. So I took the job. And here I am for a year, my senior year of high school, um, working with children to where most of the time it was, it was kind of cool. You know, we played games together. But then there would be days, y'all, there was a second grader. I forgot his name. And also it's probably better because he's not second grade anymore. And I don't want to embarrass him on YouTube. He pooped his pants, <laughs> right? Right? And he was like, felt so much like, and I'm trying to like help him, you know, not to add more like shame and guilt to him for pooping his pants. But second grade, so he go, like, goes to the bathroom. And it is disgusting. So here I am trying to like uh, clean up the best of I can as I'm like literally cleaning poop. And I'm like, this is the job that I have right now. Okay, this is the job that I have, right? Because I, like you, again, I'm not working really because I like children. I'm working to survive, I'm working to get paid, right? And the YMCA working with kids job was just a means, a vehicle for me to get paid, right? So here I am enduring the job that I have, kind of hating it. Again, there were some good moments, but overall, not the best job I've ever had, right? So I, I go to college, I finish college, I graduate. Some of you know I graduate with a film degree, so I have like a degree in video production. So, I'm gra- so I, I finish, and what do I want to do? I want to start just like, destroying the world with video production, like in a, in a really positive way, right? I wanted to be like such a f- creative force. I wanted to tell stories. I wanted to be a storyteller. So I, I, my first job, I got a full-time job as a video producer right after college, and I just want to grind, and I just want to hustle. And what I did is I got my first job, and then I was there like just for a little while, and then I got my second job. And I was there just for a little while because it set up my third job. I had three full-time jobs in the span of eight months, Why? Because I wasn't necessarily in that season working to survive. I was working to get to the next thing. Right? Right? So I was was working, and I think some of us, we experience that, right? For some of us, we experience working to survive, or we're just trying to pay rent. We're just trying to pay bills. And what we do, the, the work itself doesn't actually matter. What matters is trying to survive, right? Just trying to make it another day. And the work is kind of irreplaceable. Or for some of us, if we're working to get paid, right, we just want to get paid, right? We're hustling, we're on to the next thing, and actually we work to go to the next thing because eventually we hope that the next thing is that we don't have to work for that much longer. So we'll hustle and we'll grind to try to set up our lives so we actually don't need to work anymore. So with either, with either of these things, whether we're working to survive or whether we're working to get to what's next, um, what we feel like the work itself doesn't really matter. Because what matters is surviving, what matters is what's next, and the work itself doesn't really matter. But here's the reality that we live in, right? Is that most of us have jobs. Most of us feel like we need a job, right? Most, if we don't have a job right now, we want a job later. If we're in college, it's because we want a job down the road, right? So here's the, here's the question that we're answering. If this is kind of how a lot of us feel, not all of us, but a lot of us feel this way, here's the question we're answering today is why does your job matter? Why do you have your job, right? You're going right? And you're either surviving or you're trying to get to the next thing and you're there, right? Why does your job matter? Why does what you do in your job matter? Or does it matter, right? So if we want to look at the, in order to answer that question, we need to look at the origin of work and jobs. So if you have your Bible, turn to the first one or two pages of your Bible. Well, after the table of contents and kind of that that section, the copyright and all that stuff. But turn to the first couple pages of your Bible. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 1. 
Genesis 1 and 2. Well, we're going to answer, why does your job matter? Right? So we look at Genesis chapter 1, and it says this, And God saw everything that he had made. Right? God saw everything that he had made. So here, here's, here's what it's saying. Right? God created everything. God created space. God created time. God created matter. Right? God is a spiritual being that created a very physical world. Typically, whenever we think of God as the creator and we think of creation, typically what do we think of? Right? What do you guys think of? Grass. I was almost rhetorical. That was almost like I wanted a response, but it's okay. Well, uh, I'll set it up better next time. Okay. So typically, whenever we think of um, God just creating the world, rivers, right, trees, mountains, clouds, right, we're like, aww, God's creation. Wow, isn't it so peaceful? Isn't it so great? Look at all God's creation. Oh, it's so cute, right? Which, which is true, but, whenever, but I want us to think of um, God's creation more like this, right? I want us to think of it more like this. I want us to think of it as atoms that become electricity that become your phone. When you think of God's creation, I want you to think of sound waves that you listen to whenever you put in your music on Spotify. When I think of God's creation, I want you to think of sand that becomes concrete that you drive on, right? I want you to think of rocks that become buildings, I want you to think of trees that that's the wood is then used for tables and chairs, right? I want you to think of molecules that become polymers, that become plastic, that become the TV that you watch Netflix on, right? I want you to think of chemicals, tripped over this, I want you to think of chemicals that become the medicine that many of us rely on that helps sustain us, right? So, see, everything that we love in this world is God's creation, Right? Even, like, you don't think of the chair you're sitting on right now as God's creation. Why? Because someone else had a hand in it. But we need to understand that from its very inception, the metal and the fabric on the chairs right now, the textile that it came from, eventually you keep going back and tracing it back and tracing it back and tracing it back and tracing it back, and eventually you get to God creating the world. That's where everything came from. So everything that we enjoy in this world came from, came from God. And you know what God calls it? God calls it very good. This world that he created, God calls it very good. Where it says this, and behold, it was very good, right? And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. And then he goes on to chapter two. We'll keep reading where he says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his, and what does he call making creation? What's the word that he uses that, that, where he makes creation? Everything that we know around us, what does he call that? work. See, God calls making of creation. God calls creating everything that we love and that we get to experience and everything that we enjoy today, your phone, your computer, like your, your, your jewelry, everything that you, your car, everything that you love in this world, you keep going back. God started everything. God created everything and he called it good, but he also called it work, right? Creating that. So here's what I want us to notice, right? Notice in the text is that work is from God and work is good. That at its inception, work is from God, and work is good, right? So in the beginning, God worked. So a lot of us, we think of work, and we just think of it as a necessary evil, right? We think work is evil, right? And, and yes, there are complications. We'll talk about that next week because we are, um, we live in a broken world and a cursed world. But before that happened on page three of your Bible, here's what happened on pages one and two, is that work was created for good before things got bad. 
Work in and of itself is not evil. Work in and of itself is very good, right? So we, God works, and he also finds delight in it, right? I know for, for me even, um, the jobs that I've had before, jobs that I have now, um, where I'm there, and have you heard of the, the Sunday scaries or the Monday scaries? Are you familiar with this term? My staff wasn't either. That's why, um, yeah, because I was like, have you heard this term? And they were like, no. And I'm like, okay, cool. So instead, I'm just asking everyone if you've heard of the term. So uh, it used to be, maybe because I'm old, I just turned 32. um, The term was used back when I was a youth. Uh, The term was used basically to describe, like, you're there on either Sunday night, and you're just so worried about Monday morning because work is coming, right? And you're there, and you just dread it. Right? Okay, so now you understand it a little more. I said, yep. Right? So you know, like, you're working the next day, or perhaps if your weekend is not Friday, Saturday, perhaps your weekend is like a Tuesday, Wednesday, and you just get to Wednesday night, and you're like, oh, man, here's, here's my work day. Right? And because typically when we think of work, we don't think of it as good. We think of it as exhausting and bad. A lot of times as we think through our jobs. Right? But God, God calls it good. Right, and let's see here in verse, uh, verse uh, chapter one, verse twenty-six, because this is the pinnacle of the world that God made here in Genesis uh, chapter one, verse twenty-six, where He said this: "And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it.'" Okay, so as the pinnacle of God's creation, God created humans. God created the whole world, called it good, called it very good, and as the, the, the most good thing in creation that he made was humans, right? And this is what he said to humans, where he blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Now, if you grew up in church, you've heard this before, and here's what oftentimes we think this means. Have a lot of babies, <laughs> Right? Just have a lot of babies, just like, uh, uh, don't wait, don't stop. Just keep going, just have more babies and more babies. Fill the earth, fill the earth to subdue it. Multiply, fill the earth to subdue it, right? So that's why a lot of times we think in Christian culture, the most virtuous thing is to have just a very large family, right? Which there is a lot of good in that. But yes, this is, that is one interpretation from this, from this passage, is to, to be fruitful and multiply. But here's really what it means when it says fill the earth and subdue it. Here's what it means. Is that we're not just looking for... For um, civilians, we're looking for civilization. We're not just looking for procreation, we're looking for civilization, right? We're not just looking to fill the human species, we're looking for a world to be filled with human society, right? So because God could have created the world where the world was already populated. He could have created the world with 7 billion people. He could have created the world with all the cities that we currently have, with all the technology that we have, with all the things that we have. But God did not do that. God created the world starting off with one person and then two people. And those from, from those two people, he says, hey, be fruitful and multiply, which they did, right? Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Why? Why would God choose to do this? Because... God wants to commission, God wants to bring in, God wants to partner with humans to work with him to continue subduing and filling the world on his behalf, right? Because here's what it means to be human, right? Here's what it means to be human, is to, you look at a few verses earlier, is to have dominion over the earth and to rule over the earth. So what that means is that a core part of being human, a core part of our humanity is work, 
That's a huge part of what it means to be human. It's to partner with God, to work in the world, to cultivate the world, to build the world, to build society on his behalf. So I want to focus on this word subdue. So what does the word subdue mean? This word subdue means a strong assertion of will, right? The word subdue really means, like, if you're into wrestling, anybody, like, into MMA? No? Okay. All right. Well... So in, in wrestling, right, you kind of like, you subdue your opponent. There's a strong assertion of will on your opponent. So I want you to think about it like the Garden of Eden, the word garden is used, but it's not like the garden, most scholars say it's not like the garden that we would think of, right? As you think of a garden, you think of like this really like nice place with a swing set and trees and flowers. Oh, it's so sweet. It's so cute. Look at that little Garden of Eden that God created. Wow, it's so cute. Here's what most scholars really think of the Garden of Eden. Think about it like a vast, untamed wilderness where there is like, there's stuff there, but the stuff that's there, it's, it's to be subdued, to be shaped, right? To be cultivated, to be developed. So here's something else. Here's the other notice I want us to have is that work is cultivating raw potential. Work is cultivating raw potential. So y'all been wondering what these are, right? So this are Mega Blocks. Not Lego, I thought it was Lego Blocks. It's not called Lego, it's a different brand. It's called Mega Blocks, because they're larger. So in these Mega Blocks, y'all can see this here, I want you to think of all these pieces as raw potential to cultivate. All right, so you have these piece here, this piece here, Got this piece here. Think of these pieces as raw potential to cultivate, right? So we see this raw potential, right? And here's what we can do with this raw potential in the world. Here's what we see the original garden. This is what Adam and Eve did. This is what humans do. This is in part what it means to be human as we see all this raw potential around us. And what do we do? Well, one thing we can do is we can develop it. So we build and we build. And we build, and do that there, do that there. Do you like my building? Uh, we develop, we develop, we develop. That's not very secure. We develop, just like I-4. We develop, <laughs> we develop, we develop. Okay, let's, uh, okay, there you go. It's a two-story condo. There you go. With the third, third one, right? So one of the things, we can develop it. Right? With the raw potential that's in the world, we can develop it. We can build. We can create. Right? That's one thing we can do with raw potential. Well, something else we can do. Well, uh, we can, some of us, we really like developing, but some of us, we really like maintaining. Meaning, we know that we live in a world where things break. Right? So we want to do whatever we can just to maintain it, to make sure that it's in order, right? So we, we consistently check the foundation, right? We're going to check the structures. We're going to maintain things, right? So things are good as they are. And some of us, we, we can um, cultivate the raw potential by maintaining, maintaining, as, as maintaining it to the best of our ability, right? So we can maintain it. So we can develop it. We can maintain it. Or we know things break, Right? So what we do with the raw potential that's in the world is we can repair it and we can rebuild it. And perhaps we can even rebuild it to something better, something new, where it's an even stronger structure, right? 
So with, with cultivating the raw potential that's in the world, right, um, what do we do with that is we, we want to subdue and we want to make order out of the chaotic world. And we want to keep moving forward, um, we keep moving the world forward to build societies, to cultivate cities, right? In chapter 2 in Genesis, he also says this, where he says, And the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Right? Again, so you put them in the garden to, to work it and to keep it. Right? So what started as a garden, here's what it turns into, as we've seen, incredibly vibrant cities. The world started as a garden, and here we are cultivating and developing and shaping and harnessing the raw potential into vibrant cities. This was the design of God. This is what it means, a huge part of what it means to be human, is that we participate with God to harness the raw potential, right? So I'm going to give us a few examples. See, for some of us, we actually do like gardening. So the gardening metaphor works really well. See, and in the gardening metaphor, we can rearrange the raw material of the garden so that it produces food and flowers and beauty. Or kind of an extension of that, for some of us, is we, some of us are farmers, right? Anybody a farmer? That's Orlando. Okay. No. If I was in, if I was in Nebraska, y'all, that, that would have landed. Okay, so farming, you know, you take the physical material of the soil and the seed, and it produces food, right? Okay, musicians, people like music? Here's, here's music, right? You take the physics of sound, and you rearrange it into something beautiful and thrilling that brings meaning to life. Harnessing raw potential, right? Fashion designers? Fashion designers, you take a piece of fabric, and you make it into clothing, Right? What about uh, housekeepers? Housekeepers push a broom and clean up a room, right? It's maintaining, it's repairing. See, IT developers? See, when we use technology to, to harness the forces of electricity, right? Teachers, you can, take an, you can take a mind and develop it and mold it. Counselors, you teach people how to repair their relationships. Artists, you take simple materials and you turn it to something beautiful. Um, Disney? Yes? yes? Disney, I'm sure there's a lot of things depending on your job at Disney. Disney, you take a guest and you help them enjoy, laugh, enjoy life and laugh and smile, right? And if you don't like them, you tell them ironically to have a magical day. You know this, you do this. Okay, Lockheed? I can't say anything because I don't know anything about Lockheed because they have been told I can't, I don't know anything anyway. Secrecy. Okay, so whenever we bring, here's what we do. Whenever we harness creative potential, we bring order out of chaos right? We, we draw out creative potential. Um, we, we, the cult, this idea of cultivation, this is where the word culture comes from. Whenever we talk about culture, and the Orlando has a culture, and every city has a culture, when we, and the table has a culture, when we talk about culture, here's what we mean. How was the raw potential harnessed? Right? That's what we mean when we say culture, is this idea of cultivation. And um, in his book, where I've got uh, many of these ideas, Tim Keller has a book called Every Good Endeavor, which is such a fantastic read. And here's how he defines work. He says, rearranging the raw material of God's creation in such a way that it helps the world in general and people in particular thrive and flourish. I'll read it again. So re rearranging the raw material of God's creation in such a way that it helps the world in general and people in particular thrive and flourish. This is what it means to work. This is a huge part of what it means to be human. To be human is to work. 
into work is rearranging raw material and God's creation in such a way that it helps the world in general and people in particular thrive and flourish. Here's the big idea. All of work is sacred work. All work is sacred work, right? All work is sacred work because often in work, what are we doing, right? We're harnessing raw potential, right? And we're, we're, we're developing it, we're maintaining it, or we're repairing it, right? So all work is sacred work. There is no divide. There is no difference between, quote-unquote, secular work and spiritual work, or secular work and sacred work. All work is sacred work. Why? Because all work, your jobs, based on, I'm sure there are some professions that are just like not, they're not helping people thrive and flourish. They're actually um, actively undermining people's humanity and like uh, distorting the image of God in them. So not every single job, but I would say most jobs, and I would say most, if not all of us here, have a job that is sacred work to God's glory as we're harnessing the raw potential and moving the world forward. All work has dignity because it reflects God's image in us, right? So work in a church is no more important than working outside of a church building because all work is sacred work, right? And all work has dignity. All work is sacred work, right? All work has dignity, meaning um, if you're a white collar, that is no more sacred or better or dignified than if you're a blue collar worker, right? If you were cleaning toilets, right? You know what would happen if those toilets did not get cleaned? There would be bacteria, there would be viruses, Viruses. people would get sick. Um, even like imagine your house, right? Like either you can clean your house or the way that economy and society works is that you could choose to pay someone else to clean your house. And the other person that's cleaning your house, their work is so dignified and has so much value because it's keeping the place where you are so clean so that you can thrive and flourish. All work is sacred work. Um, if God had a job, do you know what job he would have? It's a trick question because God did have a job, right? Jesus came down to earth, and you know what Jesus' job was? A carpenter. Jesus, another way, to, so most people say it's a carpenter. Some people say it's just like a craftsman. He worked with his hands. Basically, Jesus worked with his hands. For 30 years, Jesus worked with his hands, right? Right? And he called that sacred and called that good. All work is sacred work. So here's, we're landing the plane here. So I want you to imagine, I want you to, so Jesus had a job. Jesus was a carpenter. Jesus worked with his hands. Jesus knows how to work, right? He works really hard. So I want you to imagine Jesus showing up with you tomorrow. Okay, whatever you're doing tomorrow, if you're going to class, if you're going to school, if you're going to work, whatever, whatever thing that you're doing, if you're off tomorrow, whatever you're doing tomorrow, most of us I would assume are working, but whatever you're doing tomorrow, imagine Jesus is showing up with you. Okay, how do you think Jesus would work the current job that you have? If the current job that you have um, harnesses raw potential and develops it or maintains it or repairs it and it's good and God calls it good, harnessing the raw potential of the world, if Jesus were to work your job alongside with you, how would Jesus work? How, what job would Jesus do at your job, right? How would Jesus work, right? So here's the question that I want to want to leave us with. How is your work sacred? If all work is sacred work, how is your work sacred? right? What do you do in your job, right? Do you, um, are you developing? Are you maintaining? 
Are you building? What are you doing in your job? What are you doing in your work? Or if you don't have a job right now, what do you aspire to do in a job that you will have? Develop, maintain, or build. So you can process this for a few seconds. How is your work sacred? How is your work sacred? So here's why this matters. I love Orlando. And you and I live in Orlando or Central Florida or one of the surrounding areas, right? And because we live in Orlando, we live in a city, right? Orlando's a city. The surrounding areas are a city, right? So oftentimes we'll say, man, we want your life to be for your good and for the good of the city that we love because we love Orlando and we live in Orlando, right? And I want us to be the best workers in Orlando. Why? Because that means that we get to thrive and flourish in the city that we live in, right? The better you do at your job, the more that we can see those sacred work that we're doing, the better it is in the city that we live in, right? Um, And I want us to inspire others by cultivating the world around us. I want us to inspire others by the way that we work. Do you know that Orlando's infrastructure is not great? Right? I've already made an I-4 joke. I can make a... Right? The infrastructure, right? Millennia. You can't get cell signal there. So so what do we need? We need people to build infrastructure in Orlando. We need some of you to build infrastructure in Orlando. Why? Because it helps God's people, society, thrive and flourish. Do you know that we need new restaurants? Right? The restaurants we have, they're, they're good. Some of them are better than others. They're pretty good, right? But we need more restaurants. Why? Because we have more people coming in. And we need more food. We need more grocery stores. So we need, you need, yourself to consider, perhaps I need to start a restaurant. Or need to start thinking through what it means to be part of a restaurant business. Um, Some of us, we just need nice places to hang, right? So we want to open up a coffee shop. Why? Because coffee shops help people thrive and flourish. For some of us, you know, we love Orlando. We love the theme parks, right? We need people. We need new rides. We need new attractions. We need people that can help cultivate and develop new attractions at theme parks, right? Um, We need people to develop technology so that our phones and our computers work. Are y'all tracking with me? So we need, in this room, we need to get, let's work. Let's cultivate God's society. Let's cultivate the raw potential of the world because we need to build a city that reflects the kingdom of God. Because you know how the kingdom of God is coming back one day? Not as a garden, as a city. So what we get to do now is we get to start creating reflections of what that kingdom city is going to be like. And we can experience little pockets of the kingdom, right? Not in perfection, not in totality. We're not going to experience that until Jesus returns. Right, but we get to experience little kingdom expressions of what it means to be part of God's culture, God's society, God's city. We need to reflect the kingdom here on earth. Right? And when we do that, we're going to find so much satisfaction and joy in our work, and we call it good, and others will call it good because we're working to cultivate a society for everyone. And that's what we're going to be talking about in this series, right? Is we're going to be answering other questions like, why do I hate my job? Today was like, why do you have a job? We kind of answered that. That's why. Hopefully you know why you have a job. Next week, okay, yeah, but why do I hate my job? We're going to talk about that next week. Um, We're also going to talk through, hey, what's my calling in life? I know, like, it seems 
Like, like, I just don't know what my calling is. I don't know what God's calling me to. I don't really know what my purpose is. We're talking about that in a few weeks. Um, some of us are asking, okay, but how can I be a Christian at my job? Like, I want to be a Christian. I want to be a Christian everywhere. I want to be a Christian at my job. I just don't know what that means. Does that, need, does that mean, like, I need to go, like, cubicle by cubicle by cubicle? And, like, have you heard about Jesus, like, in a really awkward way? Like, is that what it means to be a Christian? Right? And also, we're going to be able to facilitate some questions from you guys, right? Because I know there's so many questions that we just want to be as helpful as possible as we're in this series called Sacred Work. Okay, are you guys, are we good? Are we excited for the series? All right, let's do this. Hey, I want to talk through um, one cool, so the band's going to come up and get ready. Um, so I want to talk through one cool thing coming up. So one of the ways that perhaps you're working or perhaps you're not, but in a few weekends, um, we have this thing with student ministry called Surge Weekend. So if you are curious about um, what it means to work, but like not necessarily a paid sense, but in an unpaid sense, uh, want to work, um, then you can consider um, serving students in Surge Weekend. It's a weekend. It's really fun. You stay in homes. So we'll talk. I'll be back in the Connection Lounge. We'll have a couple people back there as well if you're curious about serving in student ministry with Surge Weekend. But however you're working, um, paid, unpaid, however you're working, I just want us to know that all work is sacred work. Let me pr- well, I'll pray. Father, we love you. Father, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for your love and for your kindness, God. And man, I'm just so praying God, for our good, for the good of the city that we love, God, you sustain us to move forward to work for your glory. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.